I'm a narrow cat, no wide flows African descent, that's why I got the wide nose With my kinky hair and black skin I'm fearfully and wonderfully made And that's in the image of a god that is beautiful And whose infinite word is immutable Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of HBCU, where we are healing brown communities unconditionally. Remember, you can, um, first of all, thank you for everyone who's been listening to the podcast. Obviously, if you've been listening, you already know this information, but for anyone who's catching this new, remember, you can listen to us on Dive Media. How did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Well, no, because we can kind of transition right in on that point. Um because we're transitioning out of exploitation and you know you mentioned the word the image the image of of what a, a black woman's role is on this planet in, in her existence um so with that image word keeping in the realm of exploitation um you know guys in music in arts and entertainment i'm gonna transition slightly but we still on subject the image of black women for me, as a black man, and this is a personal comment, it has been dragged completely into worthlessness. And I'm talking about in the media. When we turn on television, we turn on shows on VH1. Um, now I'm sounding like clearly, like I was a teenager in the 90s talking about MTV and VH1, because now everything is pretty much social media driven, even when you're watching stuff. But um, it's so sexual. When I, when I turn anything on, it's so hard for me to find the images uh, of women who, whose bodies are covered and whose language reflects that of a self-loving, self-respecting human being. And it just makes me wonder, you know, well, what happened? What happened along the way? And the reason I'm bringing all this up, um, and I used arts and entertainment specifically, um, because in 2020 here, you know, we've got music, um, new music, and I'm not going to name any specific songs or anything, but everybody be able to piece it together, that glorify, you know, sexual parts of women and, you know, the characteristics. You know, we've almost personified um, the woman's vagina, and we've almost turned the, woman, the black woman's vagina into this, into this party room that everyone's invited and. In. It's always open. The party never stops. The lights never come on. And the black woman is just always available to show her breast in some capacity, to show her midriff in some capacity, to show her backside in some capacity. And that is not me as a man trying to dictate how women should dress. I have no right or no room on this planet to tell a woman how she should beautify herself or set beautification standards for black women. Um, and the first woman I'm going to bring up is Dr. Frances Cress Welsing on this regard. Um, can, you Dr. Her, can you spell her last name just in case anyone hasn't heard of who this is? Absolutely. Um, Dr. Welsing's last name, that is W-E-L-S-I-N-G. Thank and you, her sir. Name is Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. And she wrote a paper, paper. Well, she, she put a series of her papers that she's written um, well, she's no longer here. She's now one of our ancestors. She passed in, I believe it was 2000. You all can fact check me on this, but I think it was 2016, the same year um, that our current president took office. Um, ironically, quick story. Oh, she thank knew. you for not saying their name. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is um, this woman was so profound. 
she knew, and just looking at the history of how this country was formulated in the politics and how, um, you know, the politics unfolded, she knew, and she, she's on record. You guys can look up Dr. Frances Cress Welsing on YouTube. You can type her name in and type in our current president's name in 2015, and you'll find her discussing um, how politics was going to unfold in the next 10 years. But she mentioned, and she said, you know, when I see this person, um, I say, and this is a quote, I say, here goes your next president. And you guys, I encourage anybody to go look that up. But anyway, but she was very heavy on the image that has been created of, of black women and African women since we have been living under uh, systemic oppression, particularly here in the Northwest Hemisphere. And um, the image of black women in arts and entertainment um, has turned completely sexual. I don't mean to, to keep repeating myself um, because Akima, again, I don't mean to lean to you on everything, but again, I'm not a woman. What kind of thoughts go through your mind as a woman when you see pasties on women in music videos, on black women in music videos. And you know, most of the breasts are exposed, but there's just a pasty, maybe over the nipple rings. And you know, and I'm not gonna go into too much detail because we can all get a, a visual image of, of what we look like in music videos and the roles that our women play in movies. But um, Akima, what kind of, um, just thoughts in general, what are your thoughts of, of, of how the image of black women has been has been modified? I mean, well, let me just let all, all of our listeners know. Um, I don't know what's on the music videos because truth be told, I don't watch them. Um, I do shout out to all my, uh, you know, social media interactions that kind of keep me like hip because I'm not hip. <laughs> I'm probably a, a hermit and I don't really know what's going on. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, oh gosh, y'all know Mikhail starting over here with me. He stays starting stuff. Like, <laughs> and I just sat back, right? <laughs> listen, he sat all the way back in his chair. Like, well, what do you think about Pacey's on women in music videos? I mean, it's, it can be, depending upon the viewer, it could be um, freeing. Some people see it as freeing. I don't consider it as freeing. You know, I actually think for me, like, to be more modest takes a little bit more restraint because to have restraint, to have reservation in a uh, society that, you know, celebrates, um, you know, those sorts of things. And here you are being the oddball out. And I'm referring to myself, y'all, being the oddball out and not being the one that necessarily um, is like that. It, it can be tough. I mean, I, I, it's sad. You know, how do I view it? I view it as, I view it as sad. Because I think a lot of times, um, I keep coming back to this, Macau, and I can't get off of it, you know? And I think about my own life, and I think about, like, how I haven't had to beg for attention. I have not had to, um, when I've needed help and when I've needed support and when I've needed someone to celebrate what I was doing, I didn't have to, you know, do an extra special, like, tap dance to get that, you know? And so when I see these women who are willing to do anything in the industry, I mean, anything, you know, you got to think about their motivation. The motivation is what? Money. Okay. But really, what's the motivation? I'm never going to have to depend on a man again. So I'm going to do what I got to do to get mine and that whole mindset where 
who has done something to you? Who needs to apologize to you? Who needs to repent to you so that you don't have to have that mindset? And we're not talking about there being an issue with independence um, because I independently run a wonderful business. However, the motivation behind that is not because I'm not going to depend upon a man and I'm going to do this for me. I'm, I'm like, I actually want to share all my money with my man. You know what I mean? Because he takes... Um, takes good care of me and so I want to do this with him not against him or in case he started acting silly I gotta you know I got like my little what they used to call that back in the day mad money or whatever and so for me a secret stash a little secret stash and look pause I've been married almost 12 years I was I was encouraged to keep one of those things too you know when I got married so that's not a 50 years ago thing that's a like you know early 2000s thing but um yeah I, I think it's a little sad and not because people aren't free, but I just think it's sad because it's like, why? Like, why do you feel the need to do that? I kind of want to get back to the why. And so, and what change are you trying to bring bring about with that, you know? And are you? You know, I've heard the whole idea, well, I can do me. These aren't your role models. Take care of your own kids, you know? But I'm like, I think once you get into a specific sphere, you know, we each have our own sphere of influence. And so you mentioned Dr. Welsing and she understood that she was going to leave her mark on this world, understanding that, you know, our time here, we're temporal, you know, we're finite beings, you know, this body that came from the dirt is going to return right back to that dirt. While I'm here, I'm going to take really good care of it, but it's going to go back. And the things that I do um, are going to leave an impact on generations that are currently here and them generations that aren't even here yet. And so these individuals, you know, they're a bit irresponsible, but in their defense, and I'm saying this in their defense, I don't think they realize the long lasting impact of their decisions versus some of the women that you mentioned. I know someone that I wanted to bring up was uh, Miriam McKeeva. And, you know, for you all who have never heard that name before, or maybe you've heard it, ref heard her referred to as Mama Africa. She was an apartheid activist in South Africa. And again, we could do a whole HBCU podcast on why South Africa is the way that it is, why people Goodness who live in South Africa are called Afrikaans. I mean, like we could do a whole, I mean, a whole thing, you all. Um, but going back to some of the pieces that we mentioned at the beginning of our podcast, you know, because she decided to fight and to be a voice against apartheid, I mean, she actually lost her citizenship being an actor. And so could you imagine? So guys, like we're recording in these here United States. Um, that sounds imagine? like sacrifice that came. I don't mean to cut you off, but that just sounds like sacrifice. You go ahead on and continue. No, I know I, we're we're listen. You know we always stay vibing, so you're not cutting me off. You are putting words in my mouth because that's what I was getting ready to say. The sacrifice that she made and that she was willing to make, you know. And so when I think about her versus some of the examples you mentioned, she understood. She saw the need. For there to be change and she was willing to do what needed to be done even running the risk of her own citizenship what would you all do if you were to fight against like what if we were out here marching talking about you know uh brianna taylor and george floyd and if we ran the risk of being like excommunicated from the united states you know, so we, we have freedom, actually, even in our protesting, even though it seems like things aren't free, like 
Mama Africa. Okay, guys. So look her up. I mean, she is a, a Grammy Award winner. Um, obviously, she she did a lot and she helped to you know end apartheid in South Africa. And and we may not hear her a lot because she may get outshadowed by some other names that are a little bit more household names. But for me, she was one of the revolutionary women that I wanted to make sure on our podcast today that I said her name. Um, because as a woman who in my own respect, and I, and I want to plug this too, when you're thinking about um, yourself and like the impact, the lasting impact that you want to leave here on this earth, you know, don't worry about a million people knowing your name. You can be a, um, you can start a mutiny in your backyard, okay? I'm all like, you know, revolting and a coup d'etat. But, you know, you can do that in your own community. But think about your sphere of influence and be responsible with that sphere. So, Mikhail, that's a loaded answer to your question. But, yeah, I think those ladies um, and individuals, and really, I'm not even going to blame the ladies. It's really the, that industry. Um, and because, you know, these systems are going to exploit and they're going to do things, but you can look through history and see that we were working our way here. I mean, think about, you know, girls who would just be seen and not heard. They could be backup dancers. They could dance at clubs. No one knew what they sounded like. They was just partying. And that, and that transcended any, um, race of women, you know, but yeah, I, I, you know, my thing is like the, the, the system, really the world is against, us being mindful of who we are and the impact and it takes a really strong individual who is also supported um by um by others and i'm gonna you know call out men like men support your women that you're around whoever those women that you are that you're connected to so that they don't have to feel like they have to go out here and fight on their own without that support so that's really that's my answer to that question okay um and while you were talking, I wrote down, I loved your response, um, because you made me think of another term, instant gratification. What does that mean in a revolution? And I believe, and y'all got to bear with me for a second. I don't want to leave you all with any inaccurate information. But was it, let me not go there now. Let me just get to my point. But revolutionary work, you guys, I want you to understand, I cannot and Akima mentioned this in the beginning of the show, being a revolutionary, man or woman, um, but we're going to stick with women because that's our topic. You know, a woman doesn't wake up again and say that, you know, I'm going to start a revolution today. Um, the work of the revolutionary woman is done with her life. And yes. we, we mentioned the words uh, sacrifice. They are done in her thought, her speech, and her action, every fiber of her being, everything that she does, everything that she thinks, everything that she manifests with her life is the revolutionary action. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because a lot of times, you know, our lives can be so tough and the things that we experience and the trauma that we experience is so rough on us. You know, we want that instant gratification um, it's because you, like it came and says, I'm a school teacher. You guys know at this point, I'm a school teacher. And at the beginning of the school year, every year, you know, we've got this, as my father would say, zeal. Zeal is like this, it's this crafted excitement, but it's temporary because zeal is almost an emotion. It's going to come. I'm a teacher. It's the first day of school and I'm coming in the building thinking I'm going to change the world. 
but there's detail, there's sacrifice, there's work that has to be done in order for my lesson plans to manifest 15, 20, 30 years down the line because certain students may cuss me out. They may cuss me out the whole school year and I might not see them again in life. However, Hey, listen, if a, if, a, if a school child cussed me out, they may not see themselves again in life, but I digress, better, I digress. Call them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, it came because you, you never know the work of a revolutionary, when it's going to manifest and when that seed is going to start to sprout. And so the reason me saying that with instant gratification is because people like uh, uh, Mama Africa, Mary McCabe, and this woman that I'm going to bring up next, Winnie Mandela, because we're going to stay in the lane of South Africa while we're here. Absolutely. But their work, the work of a revolutionary isn't going to be determined until after the revolution is over. That was the point of me saying all of that. And in our lifetime, you all, I want you all to understand, we work very hard. Um, it came with, you know, Brianna Taylor, we've got names this year that we're still um, clamoring for in terms of justice and things of that nature. There are things, you guys, that are not going to manifest in our lifetime. And as much of a tough pill that is for us to swallow, we do need to understand the manifestation and the purpose of sowing seeds. Um, in regards to, to what that does in regards to healing. But I, um, I think, Mikhail, I just, I just really want to highlight what you just said. I hope that that's not a hard pill for people to swallow, that the things that you plant, I mean, when we think about a tree growing, you know, like just think about creation. When a tree is planted and that seed is planted, it takes time. And I, that alludes earlier to the um, description, the beautiful description that Mikhail um, shared as it related to, um, you know, the seed being planted into the woman and the baby developing before the birthing proce process happens. It's the same idea. You know, the work that you do now, you may not see, live to see that come to pass. Is it still worth doing? I think women that you're mentioning, and I definitely want to dig in on some more details with Winnie Mandela, but yeah, it's still worth doing. And how do we get past instant gratification? Like we have to consider others more important than ourselves um, and realizing and recognizing what, like, what are you trying to accomplish? Again, what's the purpose? And like kind of coming back to that conversation before. So when we understand the purpose, the purpose of my life may outlive me. I pray that my life outlives me. I pray that one day somebody is, I'm in an article somewhere, you know, I'm in a book somewhere. Somebody's teaching some kids, somebody's listening to this podcast, like, man, during her lifetime, however long that may be that I'm graced to be here, that she made change. She impacted change. She had the backyard mutiny. Um, I want to be on that list of people. So yeah, that instant gratification, that's a tough one, guys, but you kind of have to consider others more important than yourselves, I think. Um, and I believe that these women did that. Absolutely. And I guess I'll go ahead because Winnie Mandela falls right in on that, that talking point right there. There was, uh, I just want to mention one sacrificial. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up, y'all. Winnie Mandela is, well, she, she is no longer here. She's transitioned. She is an ancestor. Um, she was the wife of Nelson Mandela, who was um, locked up in South Africa for 27 years. I believe, I don't know the exact year, but he was released maybe in 1990-ish, 91-ish, something along those lines. Um, but he was in prison for 27 years. And going back into that conversation of, of misogyny and patriarchy, um, Nelson Mandela 
when you hear South Africa, or I know when I was growing up, it came up in an elementary, middle, and high school. When when South Africa came up, we didn't hear too much about the Marion McCabers, the the Winnie. I knew that Nelson Mandela had a wife, but that's all I knew. I knew her name was Winnie, but everything shifted to what Nelson had done and. He was in prison, and I'm not taking anything away from the life of this brother because his life was very powerful and impactful. But um, going back to that exploitation, you know, his wife, Winnie, and I told Akima when we were talking about this show before we got on air, you know, I have actually fallen in love with the legacy of Winnie Mandela because it, it was just unknown. And when I saw what she did and what she's done, um, I'm going to make a comment, you guys, that some, some of you all may or may not agree with. I don't want to be negative. I'm not going to approach it in negativity. However, again, but we have to be able to exit that mind frame of, of patriarchal thinking, of misogyny, in order to process what I'm going to say. Um, because Winnie Mandela was the actual work behind the image of Nelson Mandela and what we process as who Nelson Mandela is. And the reason I say that, I've got facts, y'all. Y'all know I'm a teacher. I'm going to go down this thing here. In, what was this? In 1995. Now, this is five years after he was released. I just want to kind of plug. I know he was trying to grab for that date. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, Winnie Mandela was in the cabinet. She was was in Nelson Mandela's cabinet uh, for parliament. However, it was Nelson who removed her. Because let me tell y'all something about women. Let me tell y'all something about these women. Because don't make y'all about to have me go back into the history of Nubian warrior queens. <laughs> and I, I use the word warrior on purpose because these women are not weak. I'm not talking about some woman who's scared to catch a football when it's thrown in her direction or something, you know, of that nature. I know that's kind of a shallow example, but I just want to paint a picture of what a powerful woman is uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally financially and her understanding of, of, of a village and the community. Winnie Mandela was the muscle. And that's why I'm bringing this up. She was t- removed from Nelson Mandela's cabinet by him, by her own husband, because she wanted military force to force those people out of South Africa. And he was the one that wanted to continue the politic through it and, and to continue to play the political game with these people who had tormented that country for I don't even know how many years. I'm not even going to try to put a date on that because it's still happening, as Akeem was saying, the Americans and so, these names and those things of that nature. But Winnie Mandela was the muscle behind that. And the second story I'm going to bring up real quick, in 1999, Winnie Mandela was actually arrested and charged with theft because she was quote-unquote, supposedly laundering money. And you've got to watch how, I got this information, I saw it from the Encyclopedia Britannica, but I knew I had to put that down immediately because I, did, I knew I wasn't going to get anything positive out of how that story was going to be told. I just needed the piece of information and I took it and I did my own investigation. Because what Britannica wasn't going to tell you, they were going to tell you that she was a criminal, but they, wasn't, they weren't going to tell you about the revolutionary decision that she made and what she did with this quote-unquote criminal activity. Um, But I'm going to tell you now, she laundered money from banks, but not for herself. And it is on record, people. She did not pocket one dime 
of these funds that she funneled, I'm not even going to say took or stole, she funneled and redirected. We're going to change the way we're even talking about Winnie Mandela Knight. She redirected that money into the hands of those who were in her own country and needed those resources the most. Right. And I think, you know, and Makah, I definitely have some more I want to hear, but mm-hmm. that that continues to speak about like having to rebel against leadership that is not ruling for people's benefit. Like she wouldn't have had to feel the need to quote unquote break a law. And then it's like you had to have that quick judgment call of like, do I abide by the laws? And I'm not a rule breaker, you all, but it's like there's that part of it. Do I abide by the law because it's the law? How do I go by and watch people suffer when the laws that are created are not being created to benefit the people that they're supposed to be, quote unquote, trying to keep in check? And so when I think about that bravery of her just trying to take care of people and now we celebrate it, but imagine at the time, she's a criminal, you know what I mean? You're doing something wrong, that's, that's criminal behavior because someone somewhere has now put an unjust law in place that's not benefiting those. So, <sighs> Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, just for me, Winnie Mandela, and I'm, I'm still learning about her. Like, you know, we're, we're, I'm still excited. I'm excited on her. And she, because um, for, for me, there's a different level of of activism you know we've got our colin kaepernick's who take the knee i'm not shortchanging anybody in what they're doing in 2020 however like akima said if you knew that you were going to put on a t-shirt that said a slogan or something and you within 24 hours your livelihood your job your your position if you're a politician um, Winnie Mandela, let me fact check that real quick. That was 2003, guys, not 1999. It was 2003 when she had to um, resign because of that, that bank fraud conviction. Um, but Winnie Mandela, again, think about those words. She was forced to resign. And this was the second time that she had sacrificed a position within the South African government to take care of South African people outside of the, the system of apartheid. Um, but what she represents for me um, embodies what I believe as a black man is a revolutionary attitude. And um, as a man, and I'll, I'll wrap up my part of this on this, you know, Akima, because you were saying, you know, you, you mentioned words like protection and support. Yes, man, fellas, I'm talking to, I'm talking to us, I'm talking to you now. It is our job to cover these women. Period. I don't believe that we have a choice. This is not something that you wake up and you feel like doing because the su- you're not checking the weather on your phone. Okay, well, it's 80 degrees. Okay, I can go support these women today. No, no. While they are sacrificing, we are to be making equal sacrifices. And I'm not saying that we do what women do and uh, we act like women, but within our capacity as men, we are functioning in unison the same way that we come together to make children, to make schools, to make medicine, to make all of these details work for the advancement of African people generationally. Those women, our women, they're not those, they're not over there and we're over here. Our women collectively need our help and they need us to show up when it is time to step up to the plate and get things done. Period, point blank. I echo and I support, I mean, first of all, everything you said, Mikhail, but yes, like, though this 
episode tonight um, was about talking through revolutionary women. I want men listening to this to know that we need you. We need your support. Even, even if we are called to start a revolution, which I believe I have been called to start a revolution in my respective, you know, space. I need the men who are here to cover me and walk beside me um, and really walk in front of me and make it easier for me so I can come in and do what I've been called to do. Um, we would be remiss. We couldn't go through every single woman. And this list that I'm about to share with you all is not even every single woman, but there are just a few names that I just want to call out. Um, some of them, you know, are still with us. Some of them have already gone on and they've made their transition. But Angela Davis, Nina Simone, Fannie Lou Hamer. Yes. <laughs> Sister Rosetta Tharp, Asada Shakur. Yes. Um, one of my personal ones that I use a lot just in the work that I do, Miss Harriet Tubman. Oh, yes. Um, Elaine Brown. Uh Kimberly Williams, Michelle Alexander, um, and for you all who don't know, Michelle Alexander, Excellent. I just kind of want to share, she's the author of The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. Excellent um, book. Excellent yeah. book. Please pick that up, people. Mm -hmm. uh, Eartha Kitt, I know that we know her for one reason, but she was an, an artist and an activist, okay? Um, and there's probably so many more that we can mention. And of course, you know, as you guys are listening and you're connecting with us, you know, share with us who you all are, um, you know, who you admire in this respect. And honestly, tap into, I'm tapping, so hopefully it's picking up on my microphone, but tap into your piece of the puzzle. puzzle. We know our we know only our portions. Share your portion with the world. Remember that you're leaving a mark. And, you know, to my ladies, hey, ladies, thank you all for being brave. Thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you for bucking against systems that don't always cover us in the ways that they should. And thank you to the men that have stepped up, though there have been um, poor representations of leadership and covering. I want to applaud and thank the men that are covering and taking care of these women, whether they are starting a revolution or they're just trying to live in safe, happy communities. Um, with that said, you all, y'all know that our, we have so many goals and they're not lofty. They're very tangible and attainable goals. But one of our goals on our podcast is to um, reach to higher heights. And I hope that listening to this um, two part here has helped you to do just that. So with that, we thank you. We're going to catch you on the next episode. This is Akima. And this is Mikhail as always. And peace we out. Will, peace out, y'all. We'll see you next time. Or here, <laughs> we'll chat with you next time. Not doing this here to insult ya. Want you to see he's a god of culture. The same god that made this variety. At Babel, nine lives inside of me. I did this song here to invoke ya. All to see that he is a god of culture. The same god that made this variety. At Babel, nine lives inside of me. Not doing this here to insult ya. Want you to see he's a god of culture. The same god that made this variety. At Babel, nine lives inside of me. I did this song here to invoke ya, all to see that he is a god of culture, the same god that made this variety, at Babel, not lives inside of me.